we're, um, it's, it's lovely to see you all. For those that are with us uh, for the first time or second time, we're, um, or third time, or I could carry on going. <laughs> um, we're looking at the vision and values of the church. And last week, uh, if you remember, I was speaking about celebrating children. Let me just recap. I, I honestly, I, I can't remember the last time I did this, but if you didn't hear the talk, listen to it. Because in the process, as we're thinking about that passage, when Jesus says, let the children come to me. I don't know about you, but kind of the Holy Spirit mushed my heart. And there are three things that really stood out. is We have to become children to enter the kingdom of God. We have to bless children to receive the kingdom of God. And we have to bring Jesus, uh, children to Jesus to release the kingdom of God. And there's that unavoidable conclusion. If there are no children in our midst, the kingdom of God cannot be present. And it's a shocking reality. We have to be children, a child of God. And I know our heart's desire as a church is to see God's kingdom come. Not only for us to actually know it and experience what he has for us, but if you like, more important than anything, the world is in so much desperate need of God's love. And he uses us to release that to those around us. And I want to continue as we think about if you like, a celebration of children. The next step today is to think about celebrating family. And what a great day to do it on our St. Matthew's Day. Um, can I celebrate? Who's, who's been as part of this church for um, one year? Recently, one year. Okay, two years, three years, 10 years, 20 years, 50 years. <laughs> More than 50 years. Yay, yeah. I love the fact that God gives us the baton and, you know, we kind of take hold of it and then we pass it on. And the fact that, you know, for us here, you know, it's roots and wings with our children. You know, what I want to see so much is for uh, what might be my ceiling becomes the, the, the floor for our children and, uh, you know, and just and so on. And being part of that, being part of family. And so it's great to celebrate family today. But I want to look at the theology of family. It's not going to be too heavy. But I want us to really think about what family means. And so I mentioned that word family. What comes to mind? Blank. <laughs> Togetherness. <laughs> Anything? <laughs> Mums, dads, brothers, sisters, children, grandparents, cousins, nephews, uncles, aunts, grandparents. And then maybe when we think about the word family, we might even think about those who are close to us, close friends who've come, become family to us. We may even think about the people we work with. I know in certain groups like uh, fire crews and, uh, and, and so on, they talk about, if you like, the crew as being family, family together. But you know, when we think about this word family, sooner or later will come the pain. Sooner or later, we'll think about the ones we've lost, our loved ones. Sooner or later, we'll think about the brokenness of family, the way that we've experienced rejection, abandonment, and even abuse. All of this hoovered up 
into this one word, family. But family is not our idea. It's God's. We are not the authors, and dare I say, the authority on it. Of course, anthropologists will tell us what family is like, and uh, um, psychologists will explain elements of family and so on. But family is not a human invention. It's God's creation. It originates in him, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the perfect and eternal family unit of all. As Paul writes in Ephesians 3, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and on earth is named. You know what? The created cannot and they do not precede the creator. Family is God's, uh, is God's idea, not ours. And yeah, I think the challenge from us is so often we, we come to God as Father, as our Heavenly Dad. And our natural default is to try and fit our model of family into his. And in doing so, we, we kind of naturally and automatically even fit our broken model into heaven's prototype and wonder why at times it doesn't work out the way that we think it should. And when I say it doesn't work out, what I mean by that, how easily we get hurt by family, how easily we get hurt by God's family, the church. And I, I want to speak generally, and I don't want to dwell on this, but I think most of us will know what I'm talking about. And certainly in the time that I've been in church leadership, 20 years or so, I've seen people come into church, seemingly get stuck into family life, get hurt by something that happens in church family, and then leave. And in my experience, normally it's to do with the person either not being able to do what they want to do in the way they want to do it, or the leaders not doing what the person wants them to do in the way that they want them to do it. Or something happens and it's a reaction to it and they leave. And as I said, I don't want to dwell on this, but I want us to understand what is at the root of this. And I believe it's two things. I believe it's a flaw in our theology of calling. What God does to us, and I don't have time to explore this, but basically God doesn't call us from something. He calls us to. It's not from, it's to. And if we leave a place out of hurt, all we're going to be doing is taking our hurts with us wherever we go. He calls us to something. But that's a, a, a subject in itself. But then I think there's a flaw in our theology of family, where we think of God's family as an extension of our own. And it starts with us, family units. And of course, invariably at some point, we feel disappointed and hurt. I was thinking about one of my favorite verses in the Bible is 1 John 4. And it's uh, God is love and those who live in love live in God and God lives in them. And I was just thinking, take that word love out and put family. God is family. And those who live in family live in God, and God lives in them. It's like it turns it upside down as to what we think God's family is all about. 
I think I've nearly deleted half my talk. Hang on. <laughs> the choice. What did I touch? Hang on. Yeah, okay. Relief all around. I can sense. <laughs> it's only 56 pages, but don't worry about it. But God has given us a heaven to earth perspective. And when we see this kingdom truth, we really start to see the plan and purpose he has for you and me as part of God's family. And in Psalm 133, we see this revealed in the most beautiful way. I want to take this psalm word for word and just go through it. I bet you're relieved it's not Psalm 119. (laughs) Psalm 133, three verses. Behold how good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Here we have a declaration. As you know from Job 22, 28, declare a thing, it will be established. This is a declaration of intent. Behold, In other words, as well as opening our eyes to seeing this, open our hearts to receiving it. How good, the Hebrew word tobe, as an adjective, it means good in every sense. As an adverb, it means the most beautiful and the best. How good and pleasant it is. This word pleasant, it means sweetness, it means delight. And what we have here is overflowing goodness and sweetness. How good and pleasant it is. For brethren, brothers, sisters, it's a family unit to dwell together in unity. There's like a double emphasis here to sit down together, to abide, to settle, to endure, to make home together and to do it as a unit or together. The declaration is here. If we want to see the most beautiful and sweetest thing, on this planet, it's looking at a family like this. Just, I was just thinking about it. What, what is more beautiful than a family where God's love is flowing out of it? I don't, I don't know. I, I've kind of been dwelling on this. Again, it's happened a few times, as it did last week. I wrote something down and then thought, well, actually, that's, that's true. It is the most beautiful thing. And then you see what the psalmist does, is he gives us a revelation of what this family can look like. Firstly, it looks like the anointing of holiness. It is like precious oil upon the head, running down on the beard, the beard of Aaron, running down on the edge of his garments. I was slightly tempted of having a canister and oil and asking for a volunteer <laughs> with a beard <laughs> and just uh, seeing as this vat of oil is poured on the person and just watching this oil drip down. It's happened to me once. I was in Israel and uh, I, these people were praying for me and they anointed me with oil. And I thought it'd be a little bit of anointing. I was a good old Anglican that came from the conservative side of things. So I was expecting a bit of a cross on the forehead. And he took this vat and tipped it over me. And literally, it took about a minute, I think, of the shock to, <laughs> as this oil is dripping down and dripping down to your feet. It was the most extraordinary experience. And it took forever to try and remove the scent and clean up. But you have this glorious picture 
of holy anointing. You see in the Old Testament, when they anointed someone with oil, they were setting them apart for a purpose. The calling of royalty or priesthood or a ministry that God had for this person. And you see, this is a picture of this oil just running down, touching every part. You see, when we're set apart as holy, which we all are, it reflects the holy God. When we're set apart as a family like this, the holiness of God shines through. If you like, the fragrance of his presence emanates and changes the atmosphere around us. It literally covers every part of the body. Isn't that what we want? As family, as the family of God, the holy anointing to be upon us. See, that's the picture here. But then we also have another picture, and it's the covering of wholeness, being made whole, refreshed, revived, restored, renewed. When it talks about the dew of Hermon descending upon the mountains of Zion. Mount Hermon is in Lebanon. It's a mountain that is renowned for its heavy dew. If you were camping in Mount Hermon, I mean, we had a camping week uh, the other week as a church family. It was a bit of dew, but pleasant. On <laughs> in Hermon, if you were camping, every part of your tent would be saturated. It's renowned for heavy dew. And this wonderful picture of this high mountain, the dew of this mountain, kind of almost like covering and uh, making whole. It's like the, the, the dryness, the barrenness of the mountains around Jerusalem. You see, God wants his people to be saturated with his presence. Just to now allow him right now, Holy Spirit, would you come and soak and saturate us with your presence. I was doing a baptism just up the road at St. Lawrence earlier, and uh, the boy I was baptizing, it, he wasn't satisfied with a bit of water. So I'm holding him, and he's struggling, trying to get into the water. And then suddenly, his hands went splash. He's about three years old. And this water kind of covered him and me. And it's like, I love that kind of baptism. <laughs> Parents trying to hold him back. I said, no, that is exactly what it's about, being saturated with the presence and the love of God, being filled, soaked right through with his love. His overflowing goodness changes the landscape around us. Such is his presence. And then comes the blessing. For there the Lord commanded the blessing. Life forevermore. This is an incredible, extraordinary statement of truth. The command center for God's blessing is the family. Is his family. The place he chooses to release blessing. Life in its fullness, life for eternity. Is from within the family of God. And of course, we see this in Genesis 12, the promise to Abraham to be a blessing to all the families on the earth. We see this in the way that God speaks that ancient blessing. The Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord light up, lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you his peace. The way that flows in and through every generation. We see this in the way that children, uh, Jesus draws the children to himself. 
and he blesses them. He touches them and releases that blessing. Throughout scripture, the command center of blessing and any command center by nature is the very heart of the operation and authority. The command center is the family of God. But, and this is, if you like, the caveat to it all, this source of blessing is only possible if God is in our midst. Anointing the very thing that we call family. It's only possible if God is in our midst, refreshing the very life that we live as family, making us whole. It's only possible if God is in the midst Blessing the very center that we know as family when we dwell together in unity. We have to see it heaven to earth. Family is God's idea, not ours. And of course, it's not always easy. You know, Jesus knew the struggles and pains of family life. Early on in his life, he lost his father, Joseph. He understands loss. We know there were tensions within his family. In Matthew 12, verse 46 to 50, he has to challenge his family's attitude and behavior towards him to such a degree when he says, who is my mother? And who are my brothers? For whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. Wow. There's no question. He loved his mother, Mary, and he loved his brothers and sisters. He understood their hurts, their needs. All the time, he encountered brokenness in family life, hurting families who had hurt one another. But Jesus never lost sight of heaven's perspective and what it means to be set apart as the family of God, as a son, as a child of his heavenly father where God's kingdom, presence, power, and love is released. We've said this, I think, many times. There is a battle for the heart. I don't know what happens to your heart when you look at the news and you see what goes on. Just recently, just thousands of people just on the border with the US and Mexico. I just, you can't imagine living under a bridge. I, I, you know, desperation, more than we can know. There is a battle for the heart throughout the world. And as we know in John 10.10, 10, the enemy is out to kill, steal, and destroy. But you know this as much as I do. As there's a battle for the heart, there is a battle for family and family life. The enemy is out to destroy family and to destroy the church family. To kill, steal, and destroy. But you know, he knows something that I think we really all need to know so much more. He knows there's one family in heaven and earth that he cannot touch. 
There is one family in heaven and earth that he cannot touch when the holiness of heaven pours out and the wholeness of heaven pours in. Let me just say that again. Because we see church as family, and that's absolutely right. And, you know, as, as pastor of this family, I can't tell you how much I love this church family and how proud I am of the way that you love one another. There are very few places where I've seen it demonstrated in such varied and wonderful ways. But I know this truth, that the family of God cannot be touched by heaven and earth when the holiness of heaven pours out upon us and the wholeness of heaven pours in. The enemy shakes and trembles and with the rest of darkness watches as the light grows brighter and brighter. Actually, as we were singing the song earlier about spirit break out, I was just reminded of what happened on November the 7th 2011, seven o'clock, the police here in Jersey, the police got a phone call and it was from two independent witnesses, one on the inner road, one on Victoria Avenue. Both of them saw in the field what looked like, and the policeman showed me his notebook and the description was exactly the same from two independent witnesses who hadn't conferred or knew each other, was ringing and contacting the police. They said they saw a man that looked like he was wearing camouflage jacket, carrying a ball of flames. He walked across the field. He walked through the gap in the fence. There is no gap in the fence. Well, there wasn't then. They've made a few holes over there. But that's, he walked through the gap of the fence, walked round church, and walked, sorry, walked round the center and walked into church with this ball of flames. And they thought someone was wanting to burn the church down. And the night before, we'd had a prayer meeting, praying for the fire of God to come. And his fire has not left us. I know as a church family, we've been through highs and lows. We've been through experiences of great joy and great pain. But the fire of God is present. His holy anointing presence is here. And there's more. And we have to see from heaven to earth's perspective of what family looks like. And do everything we can. Not to allow the human pains and brokenness of family to be the thing that actually directs what we do as a church. We have to avoid gossip and grumbling and empire building and knocking people down and controlling and abuses. I've just written that list and I think I've hardly heard it recently in this church and I'm so thankful to God. We've been through so much, but we're learning what it is to love and to build up, to embrace, to speak with truthfulness, to encourage, to heal, to restore. Yes, at times to correct one another, but to support and to love to celebrate and raise up so that we have deep roots and big wingspan. Span, span, I think it is. To see the beauty of God flowing in our midst. This is the family of God. This is what he wants to see in a local setting like this. 
and what his heart's desire is throughout the world where God's people come together in unity. When the anointing lands upon us and pours upon us and when the wholeness of his restoration and flow pour out of us and the atmosphere around us is changed. What kind of family do you want to be part of? I think more than ever, here in Jersey, being a family like that will really change and transform our community. And in a moment, as we stand together, I, I would just love us to you know, make that commitment to one another, but most of all to God, to see family as his idea. He knows what's best. And when we allow his presence to change and transform us, that beauty is seen and it flows out. Let's stand together. Let me just read this psalm again. Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It is like the precious oil upon the head. Just take for a moment, Holy Spirit, would you come and release upon each person here your anointing presence. You know, maybe some of us actually will feel that sensation of like oil pouring upon us. Maybe we won't feel anything. But in faith, allow him to come and descend. Just let his presence come. If you don't understand what I'm saying, just have the openness of the heart to trust and just let the Holy Spirit move. Let him come. Let him pour that oil. His holy oil. And as you're receiving from him, allow him to speak into your hearts of what it looks like for you. Maybe for some of us, he's speaking about things that he's calling us to. Maybe there have been ministries that we've laid down for a while because of the season that we've been through. That he's calling us to pick up again. Or something fresh and new. But actually at the heart of it, Maybe what he's saying is, I just want you to come closer, draw nearer, give more of your heart, all of your heart to him.